Hello and welcome to Talk the Line, I'm Jen Long. In this podcast we chat to musicians, sometimes actors and comedians, but generally musicians, about something that fascinates them. We upload a new episode every Friday. You can follow us on Twitter at Talk the Line. You can follow me at Jen Long. And if you like us, please send us a tweet, get in touch, let us know what the best bits are, what's your favourite episode. But if you're a real fan, please do us a favour and subscribe. Before he joined the Killers in 2002, Ronnie Venucci Jr. was a well-known drummer on the Las Vegas scene and had played in everything from a ska punk group to a covers band called Free Food who played at prisons and homeless shelters. He began drumming at the age of seven and 19 years later was studying classical percussion at the University of Nevada where he met Brandon Flowers. The band would play in Ronnie's garage and at night he would sneak them into his university building to practice. Over a 16-year career, the Killers have sold over 22 million records worldwide and been nominated for seven Grammys and seven Brits. This year, the band's latest album, Wonderful Wonderful, became their first to reach the number one spot on the US Billboard 200 and the UK album chart, making the Killers the first international act to have their first five studio albums all reach number one in the UK. Alongside the Killers, Ronnie also released two albums under his side project, Big Talk. Ronnie's dog Archie is famous amongst Killers fans. Ronnie recently started reading up on animals, initially from the angle of investigating health and diet. This led him on a deeper journey, wanting to learn and understand more about how the food chain fits together and how we relate to the animal world. And that's what we're talking about today. We have half an hour. Yeah, let's talk. On your busy press day. Also, I love that we're in a hotel right now and we're going to talk about animals. I feel like I'm in... Uh, I'm Hugh Grant in Notting Hill, and I'm going to ask you, are uh, there any horses in the recording of this album? I've never seen Notting Hill. Oh, uh, like that Hugh joke's Grant. lost. He seems like a nice guy. <laughs> when you said understanding animals, I was thinking of Dr. Doolittle. But we're not talking about talking to animals? I'm not like, uh, no. Um, uh, I guess to, 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 to sort of start off, we have to go sort of sequentially in sort of some sort of chronological order Mm. so i've been a vegetarian for almost 10 years and i was turning uh 32 yeah and uh or about to it was like december so a few couple months a few months before uh i was turning 32 my birthday's in february and uh my dad was having some um heart issues and some just sort of general health issues, and uh, he's dealing with that, but they've sort of chalked it up to heredity, and um, I was a little nervous about having a, uh, uh, being predisposed to some sort of genetic, you know, heart yeah. condition or whatever. And uh, I thought, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to be 32, and now's probably a good time to not eat like a 13-year-old anymore, you know, because gotcha. I would just put anything in there and I'd feel fine and rock it and just like eat whatever I want whenever I wanted and uh and so I started doing some reading um I thought the best my my knee-jerk reaction to the whole thing was like oh I should just cut out meat and trying to to force me to eat a more sensible plant-based um diet and that was my knee-jerk reaction now when I was in high school uh, I worked at a health food store, so I had some sort of uh, cursory understanding of of what it means to 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 you know sort of eat healthy. In fact, the name of the uh, health food store was Stay Healthy. 
Uh, and anyway, uh, so so I knew a little bit about it. That was my knee-jerk reaction. And I read a few books, Omnivore's Dilemma, Food is Your Best Medicine. At that point, Food, Inc. had come out. Uh, and then a bunch of subsequent sort of uh, food documentaries and things like that. Um, and I just sort of educated myself. Um, and over the years, um, I sort of become more sensitive to um, animals and less... Um, sort of impetus was less um, about health and more about sort of sensitivity to animals and <laughs> that whole thing. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, a few years ago I started, um, you know, I'm a big fan of, you know, I like leather boots. I have a leather wallet. But um, so I go through and do the research and, and try and do recycled leather. I, I try not to buy anything that's... Uh, um, you know, purposely killed for a hide or a skin or anything like that and try and just repurpose stuff. It's kind of ethical. Yeah, I think that's, you know, it's, it's, it's there. I guess I want to, I, I guess I want to use it. And in some ways I still even feel bad about that. And I may, I may change to, to sort of just going all hardcore and have like a hemp wallet or something. I don't know. Just go all money clip style. Um, so, so you know, I'm I'm just giving you the, the sort of truncated Reader's Digest version of it. But after going through those phases, and I'm still going through uh, these these phases and understanding, I picked up a book recently called "What It's Like to Be a Dog," which is a um, which I'm not yet finished i'm only about 70 pages in i think it's a 300 page book so it's a an easy read one of those airplane reads and uh it's it's basically understanding the neuroscience of of dogs and and not just dogs but mostly dogs um there's a, a doctor who studies human brains and he's uh done this work with humans and mris for the better part of 40 years and uh, he got curious a few years back and decided to train dogs to um, go into an MRI understrained um, without sedation wow. and measure their brains and, and try and understand um, uh, dogs and how dogs are different from each other and how similar they are to human brains. And it's crazy. It's really fascinating stuff because on how similar MRI they are. machines are like really loud right they're really terrifying for humans yeah and you have to stay really still in them yeah you do yeah and he's trained these dogs uh to do that and the the, the reason why they're uh the, these mri machines are just really really powerful magnets mm. and uh you have to there's there's coolant running through through that machine because you have to keep uh, these these things very very cool um it's liquid helium that runs through the MRIs and it's got to be kept something just a little uh, above or below uh, 450 degrees Fahrenheit below so negative 450 um, and that sort of loud clacking sound is yeah. that whole apparatus working and they have right. to keep it uh, that helium super cold so it stays in a liquid state otherwise if it gets above that uh, uh, gets warmer just evaporates turns into oh, a I gas I thought you were going to say it just takes off <laughs> yeah, you float yeah, to the ceiling float away. 
<laughs> yeah. So what, what's really cool is they're able to, they've, they've spent months and months, um, sometimes six months just working on one, uh, for each dog, just working on just one part of the experiment to get them to sit in there and put, you know, the little faces in this thing so that the MRI, um, machine could, could, uh, then take pictures, um, of their brains and they do commands while, while they're in there and they're able to sort of, um, measure things. And so far it's, it's really fascinating. You know, you're always curious. I have a dog and I just know he knows more than I, than, uh, than I think he knows. Um, it's when you look at their faces, when they, they look at you and you look into their eyes and you're like, there's a little person in there. <laughs> yeah. I there's swear. something in there. Yeah. Um, I'm just fascinated by, yeah. Um, animal intelligence altogether. I, I, I think it's really uh, ignorant and a little sassy of us humans to not even consider ourselves to be an animal. Yeah, I think we're animals. I a hundred percent agree. Um, with that. And all mammals are basically the same. We, you know, we all uh, we mate by having sex. We have litters. We have families. We breastfeed we you know some animals are even uh they mate for life some it's you know totally uh monogamous but uh it's uh, yeah it's crazy so it's it's fascinating uh to me i think the more we sort of set aside time to understand animals we might actually um apply that to humans and have a better understanding for the differences in humans yeah i i have a cat i don't have a dog but i'm, I'm not like one of those dog cat people but oh, i am yeah. cats fucking suck oh you are a dog no, just joking no, okay just... some people though <laughs> some people are like either a dog person or a cat person yeah i'm allergic to cats so just oh. you know biologically i'm sort of like biased i guess yeah that's I'm sorry for you because they they are wonderful. No, I really like them. I once there was a cat that was so cute, I had to hold it, and I (laughs) nearly went into anaphylactic shock, but it was worth it. Yeah, I I had the you know the whites in your eyes. It's called your sclera. I was a biology student before, and the sclera, my eyes puffed out over my lenses almost, so it looked like a weird wax figure type thing. My eyes looked like marshmallows. Do you like when Arnold Schwarzenegger takes his helmet off in Total Recall? And he's out in space. Yeah. His whole face goes like... It was kind of like that. I looked like I had a head injury. Yeah. Well, I read recently that cats actually, when they're like in the wild, are quite silent animals. And that they developed the meow to communicate with us. Which I thought was fascinating. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I think we're all sort of, uh, you know, uh, biologically and physiologically trying to just get along with each other. Yeah, and I also read that, because I, I talk to my cat, especially when I'm like alone in the house and I don't have anyone else to talk yeah, to. I'm great. always like, hello, like, did you have a good day? Mm-hmm. Come here, sit down. Do you want some food? What do you want? Here's mm-hmm. your dinner. And I read that that actually means that you have a higher level of intelligence if you talk to your animals, because oh. the thing that differentiates our brains from well, take it. that of like the animals is that we try and make connections through uh, verbalizing things. Right. So that's the way that we try and connect with other humans, whereas animals do it on a more emotional and actional, actionable level. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, they're, you know, my dog is good at gesticulating. 
you know, if you want something. Or, Tell you me know. about your dog. What sort of dog is Oh, it? so he's a boxer. His nice. name is uh, Archie, um, but I, I call him Diz. It's, it's a longer story. It's not that great, but um, <laughs> he goes by Diz. Some most of the time he's Diz. I'll tell you the story. He, you know, I, I saw he was born on New Year's Day, two thousand ten. So he's almost eight. Um, he is a, 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 a tried to you know potty train him, and he had a, an easy time. It only took a couple weeks, but I used to call him Pissy Dribbles, which is a line out of a Ween song called "Piss Up a Rope." And there's a, a line where Dean Ween says. Uh, and all your pissy dribbles and and so i just called him pissy dribbles then it shortened it to pissy and then when he got a little bit older i just called him piss or, or piz and then that graduated to diz and he's biz he sometimes i call him business class he's he's all right he's he's a, he's a, he's awesome little dog and uh a little 70 pound boxer and uh, he usually goes with me everywhere he's at home right now uh, with the wife and uh, but he's he's great yeah he's doing good because they, they know what they they know how you're feeling I, I feel like if you come home and you're angry and you're like slamming things around they know not to come near you but if you're like I, I read um, I, I saw on, on the news the other week there was this girl a young girl and she had a cat that never sat on her lap and never came to her and like completely ignored her and wasn't a very affectionate cat and this young girl got diagnosed with cancer mm. and all of a sudden so when she got sick the cat just started coming and like lying on her lap and being super affectionate to her so I think they have this like you have an understanding if I walked into the room right now and like I was you know slamming things around you'd be like oh god she's in a right state yeah. she, what a mood yeah. you know yeah. They know they can sense it. I think if 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 the animal is is uh, or whatever sort of animal you have, uh, if they're sort of intuitive, they know. Mm. If they're in tune, they they they're able to be a little more intuitive. I had a migraine a few months back. It was incredible, and Archie was like a cartoon dog. He was just like doing everything that like a Disney cartoonist would put in there, just like laying his head up on my chest and just like you know making sure I was doing okay and it was like three days of just like intense pain I get mm. migraines every uh, 15 years or so it's but crazy. he knows he can tell that yeah there's actually a, a book that somebody's telling me about and I got it but I haven't read it yet and it's um it's it's about a um a person who has cancer um but that person doesn't know it yet and the dog senses it and it's driving the dog insane that um wow. the dog's trying to communicate with the owner and trying to tell the owner like hey you need to go see somebody you gotta, and the dog is going insane about it yeah and, uh it 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 kind of goes from there but that's the the sort of premise of the story it sounds that's, like a cool story that's a really cool story yeah i like like um i mean gorillas and orangutans and monkeys are obviously so uh, close to us genetically mm -hmm. that um, when you watch those wildlife documentaries I always find that really like disturbing and unsettling because we do so much damage to their environment and to them and they're so close to us in terms of intelligence and when mm -hmm. you see those like um, 
kind of doctors and wildlife professionals in in like those their environments communicating with the animals and kind of becoming a member of their society their community almost mm-hmm. i always find that really fascinating but also incredibly unsettling yeah it's it's uh you know there are we have a long way to go yeah i think in my opinion do you see that gorilla that could um had kind of learned to do sign language because obviously that, that that's the thing that separates I've us, isn't it? I've seen that before, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah but apparently he, they don't possess the, uh, f- you know, the physiology to be able to sort of make uh, make human-like uh, sounds or to mm. artic- articulate like we do, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's it it's really cool. It sort of makes you think about everything. Um, I'm not uh, especially religious, but I enjoy um, sort of uh, researching and and reading religion and and sort of deriving my own thoughts on it, and uh, I appreciate things about it. Um, But I think the closer we—when you start studying animals and and, uh, and, and really sort of just sort of pay attention— um, you realize other things and you realize sort of your place on on planet earth i live uh by the ocean sometimes and i'm always down at the beach and i'm always seeing whales and i go paddleboarding and and i oh, see wow. i see uh dolphins and seals and all sorts of uh other sea life out there and it's just incredible it's just like it makes you feel so small and if you're really you know if you just sort of take a minute one 45 seconds and just sort of consider your place in the sort of animal kingdom i certainly don't feel uh i just feel like sort of like you know one of the gang i don't feel like a superiority over Mm -hmm. him or anything like that i think it's a really uh sort of a i don't know a bit of a sassy thought to think (laughs) that uh that you're sort of somehow uh, superior to it I mean I guess that's the human condition though we all know that we are I guess uh, the, having the knowledge that you're going to die kind of skews it a little bit because we're the only animal that possesses that well that knowledge so that we, we are going to well so we think yeah yeah I mean how, how do you say there's you but know, yet we still have a level of like indestructibility I think when we go out and we're faced with nature we're sort of like well I'm the king. But who's to say, like, you know, dogs have something like 400 times the uh, the olfactory um, system. They smell 400 times. Um, their, their sense of smell is 400 times greater. Who's to say, like, the premise of that story is saying, you know, the, that they can't uh, smell the end, smell death or smell... Yeah cancer or something like that i mean that to me is a level of intelligence it's because that, they've got that we don't have that they have and yeah an earthworm might not have uh the same intelligence as a dog or a cat or a gopher or an ant or something <laughs> like that but they have a different intelligence and you know i'm yeah, i'm not going out and saving earthworms or anything but you know it's just it just it makes you think about uh intelligence and uh and you, you the thing you said about we know that we have an expiration date. I, I'm not so sure that other animals don't have an idea of what that what that's like. Certainly, they grieve. They know 
uh, cows, for instance, I think they have best friends and, and they grieve. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's the see what, seeing the cows when they've had their calves taken away from them because yeah. they're milk cows. That's yeah, so, so sad. There's a thing that goes on um, and and they grieve. They know when something's missing or... They or, grieve for like a week after you take their calf away. Yeah. That, I've always find that one really disturbing as well. That makes me want to drink goat milk more. Yeah, or almond milk. Or, um, or any of the substitutes. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, um, think I just wanted to tell it. you an, an interesting fact about dogs. Have you ever actually looked at a dog's nose? Yeah. And they have one slit where the air goes in and one where it comes out. And that's mm-hmm. how they smell so, so well. That's why their sense of smell mm-hmm. is so great. Yeah. I love that. Because you just think that they've got a nose like a person. Yeah. So the dogs, I learned that the dog, most dog brains are about the size of a lemon. But they have an olfactory bulb in their brain that's like, takes up a lot of uh, that sort of real estate in mm-hmm. there. Huge. So they get a lot of information out of, uh, of just the smelling. Which is interesting. I also have an acute sense of smell. Do you, do you think you have a large olfactory gland? Probably. <laughs> it's probably swallowed up some of my cerebral real estate. <laughs> I do love the shampoo you use. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's the Aussie one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Very good. <laughs> it's not actually. I think it's made in France, though. Mm, mango? Is it mango? Oh, I think it might be some Papaya, kind of tea maybe. tree or something. Oh. Um... <laughs> How do you think this has then informed how you kind of live? Because I know as a touring musician, sometimes it can be quite hard to find certain foods or to to do certain things in an ethical manner because you're just so often on the road. How do you kind of impart your new understanding in your everyday life? Um, Well, you know, Europe is is, uh, fairly easy. Down south, South America, Central America is... um, is harder um um the united states is easy i can go to a steakhouse and eat, have a perfect vegetarian meal they just bring me a side of all their sides i always find i get like um what's the word not condescended even perhaps that's the correct way of saying it condescended mm-hmm. in certain places when i try and order a vegetarian option like france sometimes in france when you're like do you have a vegetarian option and they're like Whoa. Meat, <laughs> you know and also i've been to like diners in the states where yeah. i've ordered like, oh you're vegetarian too yeah yeah, yeah. have been well, I, was, I, I have been for about 12 years but then i started eating fish maybe mm-hmm. about five years ago because i started yeah. having dreams about it so i've gone oh. i've gone pesky now okay pesky um yeah uh well i find that i i i stay healthier on the road um i know you can get some nasty stuff from um you know lettuce and uh vegetables um if they're not cleaned properly but for the most part i stay healthy i don't get sick on the road hardly ever i'm Mm. very i don't get sick easily um and i and i used to um with i can remember we had our biggest ever like uh it was glastonbury um and we'd been asked to do like the sec, like the sort of just below the headliner. Um, somebody canceled, and so we got bumped up a few. And it was like it was it was just it was nerve wracking because it was like the biggest show of our career. And we'd stopped at a Burger King, 
and I got a chicken sandwich because I was starving. And as soon as I bit in that chicken sandwich, I knew something was wrong. It was like had a tumor in it or something. It was gross. And like 45 minutes, I was double dragon on the bus. Oh, no. It was... was, But you're not even supposed to do that on a tour bus, are you? No, I was throwing up. I had a... So we get on stage and I had a... I had a bucket right next to my hi-hats to the left of me on, on at the drums. And you could see the bucket. And and it was one of those things where I think we we played so well. I was really surprised in how well I got through that. And I think I only... I think I only threw up once during the gig. And the rest of it was just like just everything, just sort of endorphin time. And it was just kind of get up. I think I threw up right before... And then somebody just put a bucket up there. I don't think I did it during the gig. I saw that a couple of years ago, and it was cool. It was cool to watch. Wow, just the adrenaline kicks in. Well, you're watching yourself sort of, you know. I, I, it, it felt, I felt so lousy. It was like oh, poison. God. And uh, that, But that wasn't the thing that put you off eating meat. <laughs> no, I mean, I was definitely... Uh, definitely more cautious um, when I did eat meat I'd get everything sort of well done anyway my mom grew up in, in different parts of uh, the planet and where she grew up sometimes in Indonesia for example she the meat wasn't uh, FDA approved you know so they had to like cook everything pretty thoroughly so I grew up on you know the charcoal briquette with like A1 sauce uh, but um so did yeah. you move around quite a lot then when you were a child? This is when my mom was a kid. Right. She, she, she that's how she, <laughs> that's how she prepared meat. My dad is from New Jersey. Uh, you know, he he would always sort of complain about how she burned everything. But uh, yeah. I know yeah. you're in the middle of a press day right now, and we need to wrap this up. But if you had one more really good animal fact, a good animal fact. Yeah. Um, Just because your gland one was brilliant. My gland one, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I've learned that, uh, you know how the dogs go around, they sniff other dogs' ass, right? Yeah. I think they're, they're, they're smelling the uh, anal glands, uh, which possess sort of a, a unique scent, unique to each dog. It's almost like they're checking the ID. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're from California. Right. What part? <laughs> I knew. Yeah. I always knew that was how they said hi, but now I know why. Well, they're just they're they're checking each other out, um, and 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 sort of getting a bunch of information. What what information that is, I don't know. Oh, you were born in June. Hmm. You like strawberries? Me too. <laughs> I don't know. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks to Ronnie and Archie too. You can find our show notes and previous episodes at talktheline.blog. You can listen back and see if I've gotten any better at not interrupting people. You have been listening to Talk The Line. I'm Jen Long, produced by Paul Bridgewater with original music by Seams. This is a podcast from the line of best fit. Please leave us a nice review. Follow us on Twitter. If you've gotten this far through the podcast, you may as well subscribe and we'll see you next week.